Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. In just a few moments, we'll be joined by Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas to discuss suddenly reeling Michigan basketball and a bit of football hot stove talk. First, a few of my thoughts to get us going this week. We're getting the show up a day or two late this week because I wanted to get Chris on, and we couldn't tape until Wednesday morning. So we did the interview before the Penn State game last night, Wednesday evening. In the interview, Chris said we needed to protect home court, and he thought we would against the Nittany Lions. Well, that didn't happen. Penn State started hot and was in control the entire game. We have now lost three in a row for the first time in almost four years and six of our last eight. Is it time to push the panic button? Well, maybe not yet, but we are getting close. Juwan Howard has his work cut out getting this thing back on track. Even when Isaiah Livers comes back, it's going to take him some time to get back into form. Stopping the three-game slide will not be easy. Illinois pays a visit to Chrysler on Saturday, and they, as we all know, are red hot. We've got to find a way to get a W, if at all possible, this Saturday. If we don't, I think you can place one finger on that panic button. My guest today says Michigan has plenty to be worried about, but he still thinks getting Isaiah Livers back will be huge, whenever that is. He also likes Jim Harbaugh's two new assistant hires in football. We talk about that and more on this week's Game Day segment with Chris Ballas here on The Michigan Man, in partnership with our friends at SB Nation's Maze & Brew. with us on our game day segment as we uh, get ready for a big week of Big Ten basketball. Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Great to have you back with us, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, buddy. Well, things are uh, crazy so far in Big Ten hoops, Chris. Really just across the board, a wacky start to the season, isn't it? Yeah, road games at a premium. How about Illinois' win against Purdue the other night? Yeah. That's uh, At Purdue, that's a huge one. Any road win that you can get in the Big Ten, uh, I think it's pretty clear. It doesn't matter where it is. Even Nebraska and Northwestern, who are terrible, uh, is a big win. And watching what Illinois did now, number two in the country, but they come in here on Saturday uh, Michigan's got to get by Penn State first, and that's not going to be easy either. Uh, hopefully, Isaiah Livers will be back. From what we understand, this was the game that he's been shooting for. Jawan Howard said at his weekly press conference that he hoped to have him back and practicing soon. He wanted him to practice at least once before he saw him in a game, but he makes a huge difference on both ends of the floor, and I think we've seen that, especially defensively. Michigan's defense has really struggled, but uh, you look across the board, man. You look at Rutgers up there in the standings. You look at Illinois up there in the standings. Penn State's good. Michigan's 11th right now, and it's really a product of the schedule having played several road games, but they've got a chance now, Mike, with five in the next six, I believe, at home, if you count that Rutgers game in Madison Square Garden as a home game, which which they are, to uh, to really make up some ground. So this is right now, this is the opportunity they have, and this is the time they have to do it. Oh, absolutely. And you mentioned that Illinois team. Uh, to me, they are maybe the biggest surprise in the Big Ten. You put these, uh, I don't think there's anyone with two seven-footers 
uh, on the no. floor at the same time. They are scary. Yeah, and Coffee Coburn, you look at this guy, he is a a monster, and he is a difference maker. I've always thought Brad Underwood was a good coach. When we saw Michigan play Oklahoma State in the tournament uh, a few years back and uh, their offense, I said, man, if that guy gets at Illinois and starts getting some players, and he is, uh, they're going to be formidable as well. This is as tough as the Big Ten has been, in my opinion, from top to bottom, as I've ever seen it. And uh, when you look at, look at the 14 teams, there are only two, Northwestern and Nebraska, that aren't very good. And look at Northwestern almost pulled off the upset against Maryland the other night So at home. So they've got some pieces, and I think Chris Collins is a good coach. They had a, they had a rough year last year. They're off to a rough start this year. But uh, they're, they're every every coach, look at Hoiberg at Nebraska. He's going to turn that thing around as well. So uh, it's tough, man. But I do, I do think Illinois is good, uh, legitimately good. Uh, and I look at Rutgers, I think they're le- a legitimately solid team. They've had a good early schedule, a favorable early schedule. It's amazing. The teams with the early favorable schedules are at the top of the Big Ten standings. You look at Michigan State, they've played two games away from home, and one of them was Northwestern. The other one, they got plastered. The other four, they played at home. So, Or the other five, they played at home, actually. So it'll even out a little bit more, and Michigan is certainly not out of this race, but they've got to make up some ground here over the next several weeks. Well, can you ever remember a Big Ten season, you know, at least uh, to this point where home court has been such an advantage, Chris? No, never. And it's unique because I was looking at the, some of the tweets out there, Ken Pomeroy, KenPom.com, who runs a great site. He said, you know, you would expect it across college basketball if it happens in one conference. And he said, that's not the case. Home teams are only winning at a 59% clip, which is like the third lowest in, in the, or like lowest in three years or something like that. And uh, if you look at the the ACC, I think it was like 500. Uh, it was crazy. And uh, you look at the Big Ten, eight and 43 now. I think is the is the record of the road teams. It's un, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, and part of those part of it, most of that is winning at Nebraska and and uh, Northwestern, frankly. So it's crazy. And uh, and that's why you've got to hold serve at home. And, and Joanne Howard talked about that in his weekly press conference as well. He said, now we've got an opportunity. He said every game is big. He said he didn't have an answer for it after the the uh, Minnesota, or the Iowa game. Rather, he said I I can't explain it, uh, and it's weird. The foul disparities are weird, especially for Michigan. I think they averaged six free throws on the road, which is crazy. And, uh, and Jawan doesn't like that very much either. He talked about that, and he said, you know, we attack. He said we had more points in the paint than Iowa. It's not just about you know attacking the rim. He said we were getting it inside. Uh, he thought his guys were getting fouled and they weren't getting the calls. So I don't think it's any secret that Michigan doesn't get the same home whistle, and I don't know if it's crowd intimidation or what. And I'm not saying that there's any vast conspiracy. It's just that it's backed up by the numbers. So uh, they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to play well at home to beat these teams that are playing well. Penn State's playing well right now. Illinois is playing well and then get some breaks uh, on the road. Their one road game, Mike, in that stretch mm-hmm. that we just talked about is at Nebraska, and that is a very winnable game. So that's when they got to take care of business, and then they got to win the rest of their games at home, Come going into a February 6th game against Michigan State, which should be a great one. Well, one of the concerns that we have to clean up is that defense, especially the uh, the post-D. I, I know a lot of the fans that put it on John Teske, which is, you know, not right, but your thoughts on what's ailing with the defense right now? Yeah, I don't get it. Do you? It's weird because no. these guys, number one, they're fouling at a high, much higher clip. And that's one thing that John Beeline always stressed was, look, we're going to be one of the teams in the country. He valued possessions and he said, we're not going to foul. 
And uh, so he would teach, you know, hands up, you don't foul, you use your body, get position. But Xavier Simpson and John Teske were two of the best defenders in the Big Ten last year and the year before, and now they're really struggling. You put Teske out there on an island. Part of it, Mike, is that these Big Ten big men are, are getting much better. Let's face it, Adam Garza, or Luca Garza, rather, is has been outstanding. Uh, and these guys are, Oturu at Minnesota, these guys are, are really tough to guard and they're getting better. At the same time, John doesn't look like the same defender, and they're not digging as much. They're not giving him as much help and not as active in the gaps. I was speaking to a local high school coach who goes to practices and, and is watching these uh, watching these games closely, and he said, yeah, they're just not as active defensively, defensively as they were, and, uh, and they're leaving Teske on an island. They want to mix it up a little bit more. Well, they did that against Iowa, and Garza still got his 33 points, I thought they were harder to come by, and uh, and of course when you go to the line 30 times and you make 25 free throws, that helps too. I thought the effort defensively was a little bit better, but uh, having Livers back will help. It's the rotations and the communication. Brandon Johns has been out there playing for Isaiah Livers, and he just isn't there yet. And if and Livers is a guy that you need on that side of the floor. Uh, our Drew Halla did a column on this yesterday about how valuable Livers is, not just before his 50% three-point shooting percentage, but for his his efforts on defense and how he talks and communicates. So they need him back. I think to get him back against Penn State, Mike, and he won't be in game shape, but getting him back I think will certainly help in that area. Chris, overall, are you surprised by what this team has accomplished so far? Or do you think uh, you know you get Isaiah back, the best is yet to come? I hope so, but man, you see what they did in the early part of the year uh, and uh, beating Gonzaga. Now, the two teams they beat in in the Bahamas to win that tournament, Iowa State and North Carolina, aren't very good. If we're being honest, these are 500 teams now. And uh, but what they did to Gonzaga proved that they were no fluke. Gonzaga's got one loss this year, and that's to Michigan. So, uh, but in my opinion, when you get into Big Ten play, everybody knows everybody's weaknesses, and you expected them to take a step back because you know people realize that okay Xavier Simpson's not going to pull up and shoot a jump shot or maybe you know this player can't go left or these tendencies so on and so forth it's unbelievable how well scouted the Big Ten is uh, Tom Izzo for example knows everything you know Michigan's going to do every single player and they put a lot of effort into it and it's it's that's why they're so tough to beat but I thought that they would split on the road uh, when you don't have Isaiah, when you didn't against Minnesota rather in, in Iowa, but when you don't have Isaiah Livers, that makes it tougher. I think that with Livers back, I think they're going to start putting a run together here where they win these home games that they should, the Penn States, even Illinois, as well as they're playing. These are the games that you have to win. I think you're going to see this team get back to a few games above 500 in the Big Ten and then hopefully pull it together down the stretch, steal a road game or two because they've got some winnable games in that stretch. Uh, and you're going to have to. You're going to have to pull a couple of those out in order to get a, a solid seat in the, in the NCAA tournament. And I wouldn't say the best is yet to come, Mike, but I think that they certainly have an opportunity. I certainly think they still have Sweet 16 potential, let's put it that way. Well, I know it's early in the Juwan Howard era. We were all uh, very interested to see how at least it got started. But do you like what you've seen so far from him? I do, especially offensively. Uh, and I think that's been a surprise to a lot of people how – you know, John Beeline was one of the best in the country, and uh, in terms of X's and O's and being a tactician, this Michigan team, I believe, is 15th in adjusted offensive efficiency in the sets that they run. They ran a play out of a timeout uh, for Eli Brooks to get him an open look that he missed, but I was like, wow, you know, that's high-level stuff, and 
Uh, you see what they do offensively, and I really like that. The one disappointment, in my opinion, is the defense, mm-hmm. and they, they should be better. Uh, Jawan Howard was considered the defensive coordinator with the Miami Heat, and I get not having livers and everything else, but uh, some of the lineups, for example, and I know that he was hamstrung, for example, the other night when Brandon Johns fouled out. I thought there were times that they should have gone with a smaller lineup rather than put Austin Davis in there, Michigan's redshirt junior big man who's been struggling mightily on the defensive end of the floor. I think he was a minus 27 when he was on the floor in the road games, which is, you know, you can't win like that. And so I think he's got to get a better idea. And I'll give another example. It's easier for us to criticize. I want to make that clear. You know, we're sitting on our couches. But Adrian Nunez at the end of halves uh, twice, you know, against Minnesota, uh, they lost a 12-point lead when he was on the floor in the last five minutes. He can't defend very well. He's in that negative there. And then uh, earlier in the year as well, uh, they did it, I think, at Illinois and and really struggled down the stretch in the half. So I think he's still got to get a feel for that. And I think that's, you know, a product of not having been a head coach before, but I think he'll get better and certainly killing it on the recruiting trail. Kids love him and, and respect him and he's got good people around him. I think he will continue to learn, and the way he's recruiting, uh, I really think the sky's the limit for him as he continues to learn. Well, around the uh, the Big Ten, Chris, even though they played a home-loaded schedule so far, is Michigan State still the, uh, the, the toast of the Big Ten right now? I think so, uh, and only because, uh, you know, they're so well-coached, and that home court advantage is, is ridiculous. You know, if you go up there, uh, Izzo Ranton and Raven at the officials and uh, – and they're going to get the calls, and they're going to they're going to win their share of games at home. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do on the road because they've got a lot to prove there. They again, they've only played two road games in their first seven games, and the one big road game that they played, they got absolutely hammered by a Purdue team that isn't very good. They're kind of offensively challenged, so they've got a lot to prove as well. It's not like they're they're head and shoulders above the rest of the conference talent wise, uh, and they've still got to go to some tough venues, including a Michigan for example, and uh, and see what they could do on the road. But I do think they're the favorite. Would I say that they're, uh, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to win this thing? Absolutely not. So, uh, But they are well coached. They've been there before. They know how to win. Tom Izzo knows how to get the best out of their players. If you had to, if you asked me today, I would say, yes, Michigan State's probably going to win this conference, but they're certainly not going to run away with it. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. We're not even at the midway point of the uh, the Big Ten season yet, but Right, You know, it's actually looking like the Big Ten champion could have four, five, maybe even six losses when it's all said and exactly. done. Yeah, and there have been years in which Michigan shared the Big Ten with 13-5 and five record. A 13-5 and five record, I think, Zach Novak's second year um, was uh, what was that year when Trey Burke was a freshman. And he, they said uh, you know, they hadn't won it since 1986. So, But you're going to have one of those years, in my opinion, where it's going to be five or maybe four or five losses that win it, maybe even more, like you said, uh, because it's so uh, it, there's so much talent and parity in this conference that there are 12 teams right now projected to make the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten, which is unbelievable uh, if you think about that, and and all very deserving. I can't think of one of those teams where you look at them and say, nah, you know, they probably – shouldn't be there, you know, and, uh, and they are, they're going to be. So, uh, and a lot of it's going to shake out, you know, you're going to have a lot of teams there in the middle with eight, eight, nine losses. Uh, Michigan might be one of those. You're hoping they'll finish a little bit better than that based on what they showed earlier in the year. But um, it is going to be one of those years where you're right. It could be uh, five, six, and it's going to be interesting to see how the big 10 seedings play out and who gets the tiebreakers and things like that, because, 
uh, this is going to be uh, it's going to be fascinating here over the next several weeks. Here it is on our game day segment this week is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. Uh, Chris, let's uh, switch gears as we uh, wrap up and talk a little football, which uh, yeah uh, has uh, it's been in the news lately. But uh, we lost uh, <laughs> Camp Neal and Partridge. Uh, your early thoughts on their departure and their replacements? Yeah, um, it's it was interesting. Camp Neal seemed to be looking for a way out which was interesting to me. Um, and, you know, and speaking to people who had been, had interacted with him during the year, they just said, he, I don't know if he didn't feel comfortable or didn't really wasn't not, I don't want to say not a hundred percent in, but he could tell that he might not be here long. And from everything we heard, it was going to be Rutgers that, uh, that took him away and that he was going to go home and that, Hey, if anybody was going to steal him, it was going to be Rutgers. Now we'd also heard that Michigan, after he signed a, a contract with Michigan, what was, the New York Giants came calling, and uh, Michigan said, "Look, you know, they kind of blocked that interview you signed with us." But it was clear that Campanile was uh, not real happy with that. That's kind of going back home from him for him. So when he got the uh, the Miami offer, yeah, I think Jim Harbaugh said, "Look, you know, if you don't want to be here, we don't want to keep you here." So uh, that's a loss. I think he's a very bright young coach, and speaking to our Rutgers contacts, they said that. This guy is uh, an outstanding coach and going to be like one of the smartest young coaches in the country. Chris Partridge uh, is a is a great football coach and a great recruiter. I think he's going to have great success there. What do you say to a guy that wants to go and be a coordinator? You know, yeah. you can't just say, "Hey, we'll give you more money and maybe someday you'll you know work your way up to coordinator." Here, it's a it's a promotion, and uh, and there were, you know there's no bad blood there. It's like Harbaugh said at the coaches' meetings or at the. Uh, recently i think it was in lansing and he said uh you know what i wish him well and he said we leave on good terms and and guys want to move up so uh bob shoop is an outstanding coach and he is a guy that uh he came from mississippi state to have him on staff uh it's kind of a coup this is a guy who was he, he was a the Broyles award finalist a couple of years ago at mississippi state uh after leading that defense to number one in the country in in a number of different categories and um he's in my opinion to get him to coach safeties when you've got a guy like don brown still running the show i think that's great and brian gene mary this kid uh this guy is also a great recruiter comes from south florida he's going to coach the linebackers and from the people that we've spoken with at louisville where he worked with charlie strong and and the people we've spoken with at texas he's a very good recruiter uh really relates well to the kids so uh, I think really two good additions and a good programs, Mike, if you look at Alabama and the turnover they have, this happens. You don't want a bunch of guys that are just here riding the coattails of the head coach. There's going to be some turnover there. And I'm not saying those other guys aren't going to be, aren't a loss or that they're not, didn't do a great job here, but these are the things that happen at programs like this. Well, you know, Chris, since the season ended, one of the uh, the puzzling things to me, and I think to a lot of our fans who followed recruiting over the, uh, you know, the last five years since Jim's been here, is the talk now about the talent gap that exists between us and Ohio State and the you know the the top five upper echelon in college football? Do you think it's exaggerated or is that reality? I think it's reality, and if you all you have to do is look at the rankings this year, nineteen of the top thirty-four kids in the country are going to five different schools, and it's the five schools that are competing for national championships every year. And you know there are different theories as to why that's happening. 
you know, maybe they're playing a different game than Michigan, and I don't think that there's much doubt about it. It's not us to saying it either. If you look at some of the national columnists, like a guy from The Athletic wrote, you know, hey, Jim Harbaugh's going to have to make a decision. Does he really want to, you know, wade into those waters and play that game and uh, insinuating that, yeah, they're playing by a different set of rules, which really isn't any surprise to anybody. But uh, you're not, you're not going to see that happen at Michigan. And when the difference makers are that much better. And all you have to do is look at the NFL and you have to look at Ohio state's roster this year and the guys that receiving core for LSU, Mike, mm. and, uh, and the guy throwing to them and the quarterbacks that they're getting, there is a talent gap there. Shea Patterson's down at senior bowl practices this week and, and really struggling according to a couple of the reports that we've seen out there, you know, to get the ball. He's, that they said, well, the arm strength isn't as good and so on and so forth. Michigan really hasn't had that elite quarterback. And in my opinion, that's where it starts. And sometimes you get lucky. You know, a kid comes out, out of nowhere. And uh, uh, Burrow, for example, look at uh, he, the guy was a three-star prospect coming out of, of high school and developed into a first round and FL draft pick. So, uh, but yeah, they're not getting the same level of athletes at this point. And I, but there's no excuse in my opinion for a 30 point gap between Michigan and Ohio state. You're seeing teams like Purdue, Iowa have beaten Ohio state. Michigan state has beaten them a few times. Michigan's hasn't won has they've won one time in the last 15 years. There's not that much of a gap that they can't win that game more than they have. Well, Chris, do you sense the Michigan fan base is starting to think right now after, you know, what we've experienced in the last five years that what we're reading is true, that Michigan is a good program but not going to be on the same level as Ohio State anytime soon as considered as an elite program? I think that's fair, and it's sad to say and admit, but you're kind of resigned to that, especially if you look at, uh, you know, let's be honest, Michigan's never been that elite program, even in our lifetimes, maybe in the 70s when Bo Schembechler was losing one game and it was the big two and the little eight. But, you know, other than the 1997 national championship team, this was a team that was like Ohio State and competing for big tens. And then you get on the national stage and against the better teams out there and you're getting beat by the USC's and you're getting beat by whoever the number ones are, you know, the really good teams, the Florida States would come in here and, and beat them 51 to 31. So um, it's, you know, you're, you're hoping that by the time you recruit, so that by the time your seniors are there, that maybe you're competing for, you know, a, a playoff spot, but I don't see how they bust into that next level. Uh, just the way that these other schools operate. You hear about the online classes and, and how Joe Burrow spent 10 hours a day preparing for, you know, in, fo- in film study and things like that. You know, it just does. It's a different, as one former Michigan coach explained to me, he said, it is a different culture and they operate differently. And the sooner that you understand that, the happier you'll be, you know, or, or at least the more you'll understand it and the more you'll get it. And I'm starting to get to that point. And I'm not saying that Michigan can't be better under Jim Harbaugh than, than they are, because I do think there's another level that he hasn't reached yet that, for example, it's, we're, we're still waiting for that Stanford Jim Harbaugh and that San Francisco Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and I think part of that, too, comes with getting better quarterback play. Uh, you know, he hasn't had elite quarterback play. I think that's huge in college football today. But um, is in terms of is Michigan going to be ever be at Alabama's level where they're competing for the playoffs every year? I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's going to happen, at least not in the climate today as we see it. Well, a final thought, Chris, um, I'm thinking on a positive note, actually, uh, I'm still optimistic about the team and about what Coach Harbaugh is doing and our future. Uh, we do need to make our own breaks. And you, as you said, we a 30-point difference between us and Ohio State, that's just, it, it's just unacceptable. But 
to me, it's almost like you've got to get over the hump somewhere. To me, that is slaying that dragon in Columbus. I really think if you can, if you can get that win, however you do it against Ohio State, that would go a long way in maybe bumping this team up to the next level, don't you? Yeah, I do. And the the thing is, though, it's it's more about it's about more than beating them just once. You know, at the 2016 game sticks with me because I a I think like a lot of people that they got robbed in that game, not just the spot, but the way that game played out, and that would have been such a huge. Uh, recruiting tool for them. Uh, they would have been, you know, gotten a monkey off their back. They'd probably go to the playoff. They probably beat Wisconsin in the championship game. And uh, to me, that's the one that still sits with you because now there's that seed of doubt in recruits minds and in the kids in this program, are we ever going to be able to beat these guys? But yeah, beating them once would help. Uh, but it's about getting it back to where it's a 50-50 proposition or even winning one out of three, you know, and uh, that's really the goal at this point, you you know, uh, crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run. So uh, I think that, and there's still that, and they can do that. You know, this was an elite Ohio state team this year and this program is humming, but uh, it's, you know, they were a quarterback transfer away from playing Tate Martell at quarterback this year. That would have been a completely different team. So, and there's going to be a guy that rises up. Maybe it's a Dylan McCaffrey. Maybe it's Joe Milton that uh, finally you get that guy in there, that leader, that uh, says, okay, this is unacceptable. And we've heard, we've heard rumblings of that in the building, Mike, that, okay, nine and four was the old way. It's time to do things the new way. And we've heard really good things about, you know, of course it's all talk, but we've heard good things about how they've really approached this off season and the leadership. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, that's a great start. You beat Ohio state. And, uh, and you know, a lot of this goes away. A lot of the narrative changes, and I really think it would help on the recruiting trail as well. Well, Withers on our game day segment this week has been Wolverine.com editor, Chris Ballas, by the way. We hope to get you back on in the coming weeks and uh, talk about football practice and see where we are in the Big Ten basketball season. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me, buddy. Quick hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On quick hits today, women's basketball got within two points with 8.1 seconds remaining off back-to-back triples from junior Haley Brown, but could not get a final shot to fall in a 74-71 loss to Nebraska on Sunday at Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln. Brown led the way for Michigan, hitting 5 of 6 from beyond the arc for 17 points, with sophomore Naz Hillman chipping in 15 points and 6 boards. Senior Akinra Johnson had 13 points and 8 boards, along with sophomore Amy Dilk, who had 9 points, 6 boards, and 4 assists. Michigan held a 36-30 advantage on the boards, but Nebraska got to the line 24 times, hitting 20 of those. Michigan has the week off before returning to Chrysler Center on Sunday to host Rutgers at 2 p.m. They are 12-6 overall, 3-4 in Big Ten action. Garrett Van Wy's goal with 12 seconds remaining in the second overtime period helped hockey earn the extra Big Ten point after the Wolverines skated to a 4-4 tie with number 6-ranked Penn State on Saturday in Happy Valley. That followed an impressive 6-0 shutout win on Friday night. The Wolverines are getting hot at just the right time. They will be back in action next weekend 
when Ohio State rolls into town for a pair. We are 10-11-3 overall, 4-4-2 in Big Ten play. Remember to tell your friends and family about the show and like us or comment on the program wherever you get your podcasts from. That's going to take care of it for this week. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!